psychotherapy with Dr. Fia. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the relationship between our hair, our health, and our heritage. As a clinical psychologist, hairstylist, and research scientist, I believe we need to fully investigate these topics. For my first season, I'm facilitating conversations with my co-authors about our research studies. And I'd love to invite you to listen in as we explore the research topic, why it's important to us, and even some common myths about our work. In this episode, we will discuss the psychology of black men, their hair, and barbershops. And I'll be having a conversation with Mr. Aramu Mbande, one of my co-authors and former students. So the barbershop serves as a cultural hub for African-American communities, and barbers often serve as lay health advisors to African-American men. However, social scientists have neglected the in-depth assessment of the significance of hair in shaping identity and for informal support for African-American men. Our work empowers the lived experience of African-American men as they negotiate their racial and gender identities through hair care. Hair stories for black men are varied and complex with the themes of belongingness and community, hair distress and trauma even, and family rituals. Hair care spaces and barbers can be an entry point into greater self-understanding and psychological wellness for African-American men. It is my honor to introduce Aramu. So Aramu Mbande is an educator committed to the intellectual, psycho-emotional, and cultural wellness of black college students. He graduated from Howard University with a degree in psychology. He was in my class. And he currently directs the African-American Male Resource Center at Chicago State University. He's a doctoral student at the University of Illinois at Chicago, where he is studying educational psychology with an emphasis on human development and learning. His research interests include African-American male socialization practices and innovative teaching methods for high school boys and college-age men. As an active member of the Chicago-based grassroots organization, Southsiders Organizing for Unity and Liberation, also known as SOUL, Aramu believes that true educational, social, and communal progress is learned in the classroom, but earned in the community. Challenging him to live by the Sada Shakur proverb, theory without practice is just as incomplete as practice without theory. The two must go together. And most significantly, Aramu is a proud husband of Tayo and loving father of Yaya and Kamalu Mbande. He cites his family as his greatest source of inspiration and motivation. We're actually here right now in his home in Chicago. So if you hear a baby voice or a cry, don't worry. He's 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 a black dad. So I'm just so excited to welcome you today, Aramu. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Dr. M. I'm very excited. <laughs> it seems like just yesterday you were in my psychological testing class at Howard University. This was in 2014. 2014. Um, so what was your journey like after Howard University that solidified your commitment towards liberating the minds of black men? Mm, great question. Um, well, I think that class, the psychological assessment class, was an incredible entry point for me to begin focusing like what I wanted to do with my life. One of the most important things that you did in that class was um, bring us to uh, Baba Tishanga's classroom <laughs> um, at the Howard University Middle School. Mm-hmm. And I I never, I remember that like yesterday, I never ever remembered being in a space where I saw such a strong, uh, cultured, um, yet nurturing black man have like the attention of, um, you know, 20 or 30 so on children. You know, before that, I thought I wanted to be like a, like a psychologist or a sports psychologist. Um, 
but when I was in that classroom, you know, I, I saw something like, I, like I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, you know, education is so important. And, um, you know, to influence uh, young black boys especially to um, have just the grandest possibilities of what they want to do. Um, you know, I want to be a part of that. So um, that experience uh, led to a variety of other experiences. Um, Dr. Christopher Hill, mm-hmm. uh, he was a, a mentor of mine in college, and he, um, you know, forced me to to read uh, The Miseducation of the Negro. Oh, yeah, that's a um, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I read that, and, I, and shout out to Chris Hill. Um, I love you, brother. <laughs> um, after I read Miseducation of the Negro, uh, Baba Tishango told me to uh, uh, check out Intellectual Warfare um, by Dr. Jacob Carruthers. And, you know, just the knowledge kept going on. I started putting pieces together. And um, once I left Howard, um, me and uh, Tayo, we moved to Chicago. And I was fortunately, um, you know, given the opportunity to work at Chicago State and to mm-hmm. mentor uh, young college men. So um, that experience did uh, so much for me. Yeah, it sounds like you've been busy in terms of really reading. Mm-hmm. Now, you were naming a few reading materials. Would you recommend um, someone who wants to have a deeper understanding of consciousness and African consciousness, would you recommend certain books, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even outside of the ones you just referenced, mm-hmm. as a good starting point? Or Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think, well, for me personally, reading autobiographies were, were really big. Um, Soledad Brother by George Jackson was mm-hmm. um, very, very good for me. Uh, Asada, um, the autobiography of Angela Davis. Um, so I was able to, you know, gain ideas and concepts from their own, you know, personal life stories and narratives. But beyond that, in terms of like education and psychology, um, The Maroon Within Us by uh, Baba Asa Hilliard, uh, anything by Amos Wilson, the uh, different bo- African-centered books from Way Nobles and Naeem Akbar. I think those are all good. Yeah, so I, I hear a nice compliment of autobiographies really making it personal. Mm-hmm. And then even some more theory-driven books, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of scholarship out there on black men, black consciousness, but not necessarily black men and hair. Right. So <laughs> the scholarship right. on hair care and the black experience centrally revolves around women. Mm-hmm. And how women care for their hair. And hair care is often seen as feminine to some degree. And grooming, um, but as we know, black men are constantly going to barbershops. You know, I'm here in Chicago right now, thinking about the movie Barbershop and how right, essential right. that was. The barbershop experience right. was. So, Armu, can you tell me a little bit about how you got interested in black manhood studies with the compliment mm, of hair? Great question. When I was in Washington D.C., I had three barbers that I, I went to. Um, you know, depending on their schedules, you know, I would, I would rotate. Um, and they usually weren't happy about that because, you know, every Ooh. barber has their, <laughs> has their own way, you know, in, in doing, um, you know, your, your, your taper and your lineups and stuff like that. But um, uh, I went to a brother named Damien who was from New Orleans. And when he would cut my hair, we would have um, really deep conversations about spirituality, about Christianity, about, um, you know, our personal relationships with the divine. And, um you know, when he, when he was done, you know, we would leave our conversation there. And then when I would come back, we would um, re-entry that, uh, that conversation. Uh, if he was busy, if Damien was busy, I would go to uh, a brother named Lawrence, who I think you know. Um, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. So Lawrence <laughs> would do my hair. Uh, he, he was at a shop on Georgia and um, 
Uh, I forget. It's walking distance from Howard's campus. So a lot of Howard students do go there too. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I would go to him, we would talk about like relationships, relationships with black women, Mm -hmm. um, specifically, (laughs) and um, you know, sort of the uh, the the intricate, um, you know, dealings with um, with women. Mm -hmm. When he was busy, I would go to a brother named Sean. And he uh, he worked at a barbershop like two buildings um, to the left of Sankofa. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> and Sean would talk a lot about like black uh, politics, um, conspiracies. So he was sort of like feeding my intellectual mind. Uh, and all three of those men played like a crucial role in in my in my own development. You know, mm-hmm. I trusted them, um, I admired them, and you know, from like a village group therapy or group mentoring model um they all served as like individual uh you know people in my uh in my you know esteem building identity development so on and so forth and i know that's not you know um abnormal you know mm-hmm. most um most men who get their hair cut um may go to only one person um mm-hmm. that one person provides so much uh depthness um you know so much just richness of um of those various topics, relationships, spirituality, um, you know, politics, current issues, things like that. So, yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like you were having a parallel process, taking classes at Howard, but really taking classes uh, in the yeah. barbershop as well yeah. about more personal topics that impacted you on a daily basis in terms of your spirituality, mm. relationships, and just understanding the political landscape for black people. Um, yes. So it's interesting too, because I've seen you have a lot of hairstyles <laughs> just in the time that I've known you over the past Five years or so. Yes. Um, so I see that your hair is currently in a low, sort of low cut. Uh-huh. Um, but again, I've seen you with these various looks. Can you tell me a little bit about your hair journey and mm-hmm. how it reflects some of your experiences that you face as a black man in terms of how have you made decisions on how long or short your hair should be, whether it's braided or locked? Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, growing up, I well, let, let me start off by saying... Um, you know, my, I come from a multi-ethnic uh, family. So I'm um, growing up, uh, uh, you know, under my mom, who's a, a biracial white and a Mexican woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have like the traditional childhood of going, childhood experiences of going to like the black barbershop. <laughs> um, but I went to a black Catholic school. In San Francisco. It makes I, me think about the movie um, our, Sister Act. Oh, Sister Act. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> there, and there was a conscious one, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like that. I promise. So I, I would I would go to, um, you know, Supercuts or one of those white, you know, places to get my hair cut. And, um, you know, they, they would give me uh, a, a white person's fade or whatever. And um, and I would go to school. I promise to God, you know, the kids would... Um, some of the, you know, boys would, would clown on me because they knew that, I you know, I wasn't getting the lineup straight. And, I mean, these brothers had, like, Nike symbols in their head and, and, oh, wow. and, like, the coldest ball fades. And I got real self-conscious about my hair um, from a, an early age. Mm-hmm. So at about 10 or 11, 11, uh, I was in sixth grade, I started um, growing out my hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this was uh, during the time I started get, really getting into basketball. So, um... I used to like beg my mom to uh, to get my hair braided, like to go to you know one of her black friends to, to braid <laughs> my hair, and she would take me. And, she, and I remember the first time it was um, uh, before a, a playoff game um, in sixth grade. Uh, she took me to get my hair braided for the first time. I remember how proud I felt. Like I finally like reached this. <laughs> 
this like you know pinnacle you got the you got the you got the braids I, I got the braids um and for the majority of my uh you know young you know adolescence years i um went back and forth between braids uh uh, waves. It took me forever to try to get waves. Um, I didn't realize that my hair needed to be a little longer <laughs> in order for it to um, wave up a bit. So um, uh, high tops, uh, afros. But I think for a large um, majority of my development, uh, my hair reflected like sort of my uh, current, you know, identity, either issues or um, transformation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it was braids and playing basketball or you know, an afro and, um, you know, reading Malcolm X and, uh, you know, all these other, like, you know, conscious books. It, yeah, it, it just sort of served as like a reflection of what I was thinking and going through. Wow. Yeah, that's deep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so you were talking a little bit earlier about barbershops, but I'm curious, why do you think barbershops should be studied in addressing mm-hmm. the health and wellness of black men? Mm-hmm. Well, I think any any place where black men go to and they speak um, is a place worth studying. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, you know, so many black men have uh, lives where they can't go, you know, to uh, group therapy or to individual therapy. So going to church, which is still, you know, an issue for a lot of black men, um, going to the gym, you know, is a place where you can find a lot of black men, but you'll find every and any black man at the bar- at the barbershop. Black men are going to get their hair cut. And um, when you can take advantage of, um, you know, that opportunity, that one hour, two hours, sometimes three or four hours if you're waiting, to, um, to drop some nuggets um, that can, you know, improve their emotional and mental uh, well-being, you know, that's, that's a great opportunity. Um, but hair is a very important part of uh, who we are, and, you know, the barbershop reflects that. Yeah. So in the research that um, we started doing together, it must have been a few summers ago, too. And then Mm -hmm. most recently, what were some of the studies that you found on barbershops? What did they suggest? Oh, um, a variety of different methods uh, in terms of gaining the experiences of black men. So uh, we we found things on survey research, um, different types of discourse analysis, uh, open-ended you know, interviews in, in group and in individual settings. Um, but I think that a lot of researchers are um, uh, using different classroom models um, and, and using that type of um, uh, method to, to move into the barbershop and, and, and find how they can measure things like identity and uh, confidence and, you know, depression, anxiety, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, A lot of the readings that I did, you know, reflected like different classroom methods as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So based on the readings of the existing research articles and even some of the hair stories that we read Mm -hmm. um, for our participants in the study, how do you think we can better organize in Mm. the barbershop space? Great question. Um, Well, I think getting barbers um, specifically... um, in our collaboration, you know, getting them um, to buy into mental health and to um, you know, emotional health. A lot, a lot of them, you know, many barbers already do do that. They just, mm-hmm. have, you know, some may have a hard time articulating that. Um, but getting them to seriously buy in, um, and then getting their um, customers to buy in. I mean, I can imagine a barber telling a customer, "Look, if you come to this, um, you know, group therapy session." Um, you get half off, you know, on your next okay, haircut, got the hookup. you know, um, <laughs> and then, you know, in exchange, you know, perhaps psychologists can, um, 
you know, certify some, you know, uh, barbers, you know, giving, giving them, you know, different tools that they can use to um, not just add to their repertoire of skills, but to um, really improve the lives of their clientele. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I sort of see, you know, like that triangular relationship between like the therapist or psychologist, the barber and then the, and the client mm -hmm. um, all working together so that, um, you know, health can be promoted and uh, emotional and psychological wellness can be achieved. Um, but yeah, I, I think really getting the barbers to take control and to buy into what psychologists are trying to do mm -hmm. in that space is imperative. And I know that work is already being done, um, but as it continues to be done, you know, I will continue to see the barbershop being like that central place of healing going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm imagining, like you were saying earlier, there are a lot of spaces that black men could potentially heal, but really thinking about the uniqueness of barbershops where men are physically grooming each other. Mm -hmm. But I'm also mindful of something else. I heard that you took a group of black men to Cuba. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that? So I know it's cool to be in the barbershop space, but also yeah. traveling internationally. So oh, share yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, so I um, I mentor a group called Teaching and Educating Men of Black Origin, or TEMBO. Um, mm -hmm. TEMBO is, uh, means elephant in Kiswahili. And mm -hmm. uh, in the um, wise old tale mm -hmm. of um, habitats in East Africa that did not have um, uh, adult male elephants present, the young bull elephants exhibited, um, you know, the most antisocial, um, anti-productive uh, behavior patterns. So the philosophy behind Tembo is that um, adult African men must uh, mentor and socialize young uh, African American or African men mm -hmm. in the same way that it takes, you know, African bulls to mentor young bull elephants. But we, we believe that <clears throat> our mentoring style um, takes place uh, out of the classroom. It's not just within um, the African-American Male Resource Center or even within the confines of Chicago State. You know, we need to go to museums. We need to go to um, the different African-centered schools and community centers around Chicago. Uh, and we need to take our education internationally. Um, so uh, you actually suggested um, the agency that we went with, um, the African Diaspora Alliance. And um, we went to Cuba to um, specifically learn of the African retention in Cuban art and Cuban spirituality. Mm. And um, it was uh, just transformative for, for all of us. Um, but I mean, you can imagine for brothers who've never been outside of Chicago, now going to a, um, a place where like <laughs> everybody is getting along and everybody is um, happy every day of the week. and. Um, you know, we're, we're learning all these just grand things about um, about the continent of Africa and about how um, spirituality is infused in every part of normal daily life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was it was tremendous. Yeah. And one thing that stands out to me about Cuba, too, is that men are more into their hair than the women. Oh, I don't yeah, know yeah. if you noticed yeah, that, too. Yeah, it was a right. range of styles. Yeah, too yeah. We, we, we noticed that immediately. Yeah. It's kind of like 1950s there. Yeah. People had the conch and the perm and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But also locks and braids. So it's such a range of black identity for the black men there as well. Yeah. But this work really sounds inspirational um, to think mm -hmm. about making that connection between barbershops and the spaces for black men, college campuses, and then even taking students abroad mm -hmm. to really be immersed in um, African culture. I really mm -hmm. like the story about the elephants to think about what community um, right. is necessary to properly socialize and groom 
um, other black men. But this right. this was this was dope. This was a great <laughs> and inspirational conversation. Thank you so Thank much you. for letting me come to your home and oh, interview God, you. Man, anytime, <laughs> Doctor Ed. You know, let me let me say, um, you and Baba Tashango um, just did so much for me individually and then, you know, me and Tayo collectively, and Tayo individually as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, y'all uh, are truly the epitome of um, educators Aww. in that y'all empower, <laughs> y'all enlighten, y'all embrace, um, encourage. We like, we like to say endarken. Endarken, <laughs> endarken, endarken. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's our pleasure just to continue to build with y'all. Um, in our community. I know we're um, in Chicago and y'all are in D.C., but, um, you know, we really value, uh, you know, the community that you um, have created for us. Oh, so. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I know that you're working on tons of projects. So for the mm -hmm. listeners, if they want to get in contact with you, Aramu, how can they keep in touch? You can follow my center at A-A-M-R-C-X-T-E-M-B-O. So the African American Male Resource Center, A A M R C, X Tembo, T E M B O, right. and um, I post a lot of uh, our workshops, our um, events, the different conversations that we have um, at Chicago State on that on that platform. Okay, I have to follow you all. <laughs> and as always, you can follow the latest psychotherapy information through our website, psychotherapy.org, and our Instagram handle at psychotherapy. Um, and of course, if you like this podcast with the brother speaking today, please consider sharing. And in closing, let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots. Ashe. Ashe.